more points online. We are honored that you're joining us today. And if God is using this ministry to change your life, please let us know at fourpoints.org slash my story. It's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. And if you would like to give and be a part of what God is doing, then visit fourpoints.org and select the safe and secure option, or you can download our app and choose to get there as well. We are so excited to hear a powerful message from God's Word today. I'm excited to be back and be with you guys today, and I am very excited truly about this last week of Throat Punch. I hope you've enjoyed this series and dealing with some things that we're going to roundhouse and throat punch the devil right in the neck. Y'all are silent today. Nobody likes, no, <laughs> nobody likes to throat punch the devil, I guess. That's all good. But today's, today's not a culmination of all the messages together because that would be uh, a little bit over the top and a little bit too much. But today is where I believe, after praying through this the last couple weeks, I, I believe this is kind of where all of us find ourselves. And what's interesting about that is every single person in this room is so different. And we got people that you've been in church your entire life and you know the Bible really well. And we got people that today is really one of the first times in a long time you've been. And so you're like, he ain't talking to me, but I am. I'm absolutely talking to you. Because all of us in our lives would love, everybody say that, a redo. Am I right? I mean, it may not be everything in your life. But there's something in your life you look back on and you say, I would love a redo in that thing right there because I messed this up bad. Are y'all with me so far? Any of y'all that didn't say yeah right there, y'all are just like either ahead of the curve or lying. Come on, somebody. Like we all have things that we'd like a redo in. And, And the reality is, the reality is, Some of the things that you'd like a redo in, let's be honest with this, some of the things that you'd like a redo in are not things that you did. They're things that happened to you. Like you would love if you could go back and change the things that happened to you when you were 10 years old because you didn't ask for your dad to leave when you were 10. You didn't ask for that thing to happen to you when you were young. And you'd love to be able to do it over again so that those things didn't happen. And then some things that, that happened to us was an I do. You know what I'm talking about. I did it. The devil didn't make me do it. My friends didn't make me do it. I did it. But in all people, I don't care if you're 12 or if you're 82, everybody in here says there's something that I would love to have a do-over, a redo. I wish I could go fix it and make it better. But here's the problem. I want things in my life to change, so why don't they? Why can't I get them to to redo? Why can't I change it? Why do do things seem to repeat themselves over and over and over? If you know what I'm talking about in this room, just say yes. Yes. Because Lord knows, I don't care if you're a Christian or not in here. I, I do care about that, by the way. But right this second, I don't. Because it hits all of us the same. We all have things in our lives that we look at and we say, I want that to stop. So today... I ain't going to do it anymore. It's not going to happen. I'm not going to redo the bad things. I'm going to have a changeover and we're going to do it right. We're going to get this right. We're going to make it better. We're going to change how we do things. I'm going to feel better about this situation. By the end of this message, it's going to be good. And maybe it's probably not on Sunday, but on Monday, 
It's not going to happen anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. And you know what? Here's the truth. I'm just going to be completely raw with y'all today. We mean well when we say those things, don't we? We mean we're really not going to do those things anymore. Whew. And if you're like me, and I'm pretty sure almost everybody in here is, we keep doing them. Because there's that thing. And I can't explain yours. I can just explain mine. That we look at in our lives and we say, I sure would like a redo of today because I keep doing that thing. But you know what? If today's Monday, we think Tuesday is going to be different. Wednesday is going to be different. And all of a sudden, we're 10 years into this thing. And not only is it not different, but our lives are falling apart all around us. And we say, how in the world did this happen? You know what? If I polled the audience, do you know what I think almost every person in the room would say? What I believe almost everyone in the room would say is, it's not my fault. Everybody say that. It's not my fault. Because I think almost all of us would feel this way. It's because of the circumstances around me. It's because of everything that's taking place. It's because of all these things that have happened. It's not really my fault, Pastor. If you could just, like if you could sit down in my situation, you would see that I'm really trying hard. I'm really trying to do better in this situation. Look, I'm here today. Don't I get some credit for that? Right? And the reality is we want to do better. We think it'd be awesome to do better. So why don't we? I'm glad you asked. I appreciate you asking that today. If you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 2. And if you don't, I'm going to read from a different translation this morning. It's called the Christian Standard Bible. I love this one. I study out of the CSB a lot. And in Colossians 2, I believe Paul sets us up with an understanding of why redos don't really take place, why we wish we could do it over, why every single day it seems like Groundhog's Day in our lives because things keep repeating themselves over and over. And I'm like, ah! Make it stop, Jesus. And we even pray that way, don't we? Make it stop, Jesus. But here's some cool background. So this, this place, Colossae, to the people of Colossians that Paul was writing to is, is, in, is in today, it's in central Turkey. It was called Asia Minor back in the day. And, and this place is so interesting because it's very similar in, in culture. If you look in today's context and you look how they were then, it's very similar in how we are today. Because, because there's some religiousness that goes on. So we punch the Jesus ticket on Sundays and we show up. But then during the week, they try to figure out how to be better and how to do things and how to make enough things feel better about what they're doing. And so they add things and they add things. And Paul is writing this letter to this church and, and he says these specific things. And in chapter 2, toward the end of the chapter, he's specifically dealing with what we're talking about today. And look at this. This is what Paul says Wrong way. This is what Paul says in chapter 2, verse 20. He said, if you died with Christ to the elements of this world, why do you live as if you still belong to the world? He said, why do you still live the same way you always have? Why, why do you submit to regulations, don't handle, don't taste, and don't touch? Why do you still do the same things over and over and over and over and, 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 and still hope that if you follow the right rules, and you stand in the right way, and you do the right things over and over, and you think, oh, I got to do a little bit more. Everybody say more. Oh, I forgot to do this, so I'm going to have a bad day. Now, I want to say a couple things, and y'all lean in with me. Christians, I'm talking to you mainly, but people that don't know Jesus, y'all stay with me. 
If you know Jesus, we have a tendency to think, if I read my Bible this morning, I'm going to have a good day. Y'all know I'm not lying, so y'all can just talk to me and not be upset. I'm offended. <laughs> I'm talking to you. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and so we do it. And we'll do it for 10 days in a row. And we'll start feeling really good about ourselves. And we'll start adding to it. And we'll start making sure that we do enough. And we'll start making sure that it's good. And I want y'all to know that the Bible is amazing. And it is a wonderful habit to make to read the Bible every day. But I promise you this. It does not make you have a good day or ensure that you won't redo the sins of your past. It ain't going to do it. That's not the purpose of the Bible. And so whenever you read it or whenever you do something, and it may be just cleaning up somebody's yard next door and you look at Jesus and say, look what I did for you. You're going to look at your life and go, why am I still repeating the same things that I've always done? I'm doing these things. Maybe I need to do a little bit more. And it's a crazy cycle that we live in because we'll keep trying to add more to make sure that we don't do the things that we hate so much. And he's like, why do you still think the way that you've always thought before? Because you always used to think that. The problem is that all these things are happening to me and it's not really my fault. So if I do a little bit more, I'll stop doing this. If you know what I'm talking about, say yes. If you didn't say yes, I love you. We're going to find you. Verse 22, all, of, all these regulations refer to what is destined to perish by being used up. Everything that we focus our attention on, I just want y'all to think for, for just a couple seconds. The thing that you focused on this week that stressed you out this week, that overwhelmed you this week, that you hope you would stop this week, most likely is something that ain't going to matter in five years. Better yet, for all of eternity. And yet we give all of our energy hoping that if I do a little bit more, it will stop and change something. That, that the thing that I've struggled with since I was a teenager will go away because I'm doing a little bit more. It's not going to change, everybody. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's like, the thing that you've put all your energy into and you're hoping to stop, it ain't going to stop. It's going to keep on keeping on. And then this verse, this verse right here is the one that I got stuck on this week. As I was reading back through it, he said, although these have a reputation for wisdom by promoting self-made religion. I need y'all to know there's two different kinds of religion. The Bible calls following Jesus the true religion. And then there's self-made religion, which means a ritual found on human precepts. A ritual found on human precepts. Doing the same things over and over and thinking that if I add a little bit more, oh, I missed church last week, so that's why I had a bad week. That ain't why you had a bad week. We don't gather together so, so that God is happy with us. We gather together to encourage each other, to build the quote-unquote saints, each other. It's an encouraging thing to worship God together, not so that God is not mad at you. God is not mad at you when you don't show up and he ain't proud of you when you do. He's proud of you because you're his. So when we show up to hope that the thing that's not really my fault anyway will go away, it ain't going away, everybody. And it causes me to have false humility. Now, I know I'm only talking about me, but I'm going to talk about me for a second. Because as I read this and I began to study this this week, this is what I realized. Holy crud, this is defining Mark Pangle. Because do you know what we do? You know what we do? 
as we're going through religiousness that Paul describes here, we begin to start feeling about ourselves that we're one step ahead of the world. And I don't really mean the world outside of church, so let's just say we're one step ahead of the people that we're running with. And so what I tend to do is I tend to look at your problems and I tend to say your problems are why I'm having a problem. You're bringing problems to me. This is all on you. This is your fault. If they would do it a little bit better, I wouldn't have to worry about this anymore. So I'm going to do a little bit more and hope that they can recognize how good I'm doing. And I'm going to do this with a humble heart. <laughs> False humility. And severe treatment of the body. And I think this line that I underlined is so fascinating because it says they are not of any value in curbing self-indulgences. Another translation says they don't help you stop the sinful nature of your flesh. You know what I was thinking about this week? I was thinking about me, not you, my entire life. Because here's what I used to pride myself on. I waited until after I was 30 years old to try alcohol for the first time. Listen to me. And do you know, in my mid-20s, in my late-20s, even teaching the Bible, I would have said, I've never tried alcohol because I've kept myself away from that for the Lord. Now, if you haven't had alcohol, that's awesome. Praise the Lord, whatever you want to do. But do you know that as I was proud of myself for not ever trying alcohol, I was in the middle of some deep, dark, ugly sin, and yet, I was so proud, I was so proud of the regulations that I had put on myself and the doctrine that I had made as a religious practice that I made sure that people knew how good I was doing, but it had no value in curbing my self-indulgences and sin. That's just me. I know that's nobody else in the room that's ever had any struggles like this. And then I look at my current state and I say, well, that's no longer the problem. But I still find that there's tons of things that if I'm not careful, I get into a ritualistic rut that is far from relationship, far from intimacy, far from what God actually called me to do. And I get frustrated because I go, God, I'm doing these things for you, so why do things keep repeating themselves over and over? I want to redo, Jesus. I want to redo. I don't want to struggle with those same things over and over, so I don't know why you don't help me out of this thing. And, and then as we begin to pray, what happens in our prayer lives is, God, get me out of this mess. Now, the Lord is not harsh, so I want you all to hear me very carefully as I'm speaking right now. The Lord is never harsh. He does not intend to be harsh. He loves us. We are his children, but he will rebuke and reproof. He will bring us back to the fold. And as I'm praying, God, help me. I'm doing these religious practices that, by the way, he has no care in the world for. He is not proud of me and impressed with me because I'm doing all kinds of more, 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 more. I'm adding more. I'm adding more. I'm doing more. I'm doing more. God, look at me. Pay attention. Hello. Now, we would never say that to other people because that sounds bad, right? Because we're not supposed to talk like that to God. But if we were honest with ourselves, that's what we feel like. And here's the problem. 
When doing more becomes my goal, I'm doomed to repeat the issues of my past. And do you know what I've noticed? You know what I've noticed in my life? What I've noticed in my life is I begin to speak about the things that I don't want to be about. Now listen to me carefully, and I want you all to get this. So I begin to declare the things that I don't want to be. I begin to declare that I'm not going to be this sin that I've struggled with my entire life. I'm not going to be these things that I've struggled with my entire life. I'm no longer. I will not. I will not. And we say, and it sounds real good, y'all. I'm determined not to do these things anymore. And so we give all of our energy and we put so much energy behind. But how many of y'all know when we do that, not only does it not happen, But it seems like I fueled a fire. It seems like I'm adding fuel to the thing that I hate so much about what I do that, that it's not that I don't do it anymore. It's not that I get a redo, but it, it, it puts me on repeat. It's like the old school records, y'all, that had the skip in it. You know what I'm talking about, young people. Just, just stay with me for a second. And zip, zip. And it just stays on the thing. And I'm like, what's going on? I feel like a hamster on a wheel. I can't get this thing to stop. What is wrong with me? Why am I crazy? Nobody else must struggle like me. God, I don't want to do this. Why do you let this happen to me, God? I don't understand all this stuff. Why is this? Why would you not love me more than this that I have these struggles in my life? If I'm talking to anybody in here, will y'all let me know? Because I feel hashtag naked and unashamed. Actually, anyway, let's keep going. I don't know, this week I just felt like I was, like I was preaching about my life. And I want to blame everybody else for my problems. Because it's so much easier to play the blame game. But in my life I get to decide this. Every single day, y'all listen to this, every single day I get to make a decision whether I'll be on repeat or reset. Because I need y'all to know this, that today does not ensure tomorrow's going to be great. It ain't got nothing to do with it. But we want it to. As a matter of fact, we hope that Mark's message is good enough today that it can give me a little Jesus juice for the rest of the week where I feel good the rest of the week. Right? Yeah. Jesus juice. Some of y'all are going to... If you're going to tweet anything today, don't tweet that. I just want to be good. I just want to do good for you, God. Can I just tell you what I've learned? And this is just life learning. This isn't like deep theology learning. I've learned that good isn't really the goal. That God's goal for you is not to have goodness. That he doesn't look down on you and go, man, I wish they'd act good. I wish they'd be good people. I wish they'd do good things. He cares about something far deeper than that that's much better than that. And I'm going to show it to you right now. So that was the end of chapter 2, and then we go straight to chapter 3. Look at this. It says, so if you've been raised with Christ, meaning you follow Jesus, you truly said, Jesus, you are Lord, you are Savior, I call you Lord, you died and rose again. I am a follower of Jesus Christ, and I know that's a bunch of you in this room. Listen, he says, if, you, if you've been raised, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds. Everybody say, set your minds. 
Set your minds on things above, not earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Set your mind, set your mind, reset, repeat. Kills us every single day because we hope God will come take away the problems, take away the issues, take away, make it better. Zip, zip, zip. Do it all good. God, this stinks. I don't want to deal with this anymore, so you fix it. We pray constantly into a curse. Our, our, our very prayers, listen to me, our prayers curse us. Because we ain't talking to God. We're hoping Genie Jesus will come fix it. God's not a fix it. He's a make all things new. He's not interested in trying to clothe the man. He puts new clothes Excuse me, he puts a new man in the clothes. He's not worried about how fancy you look, what your car is like, what your house is like. Are you blessed in human standards? What God wants for you is his plan, his way. But whenever we think, God, this, is, this Jesus thing looks cool, so let me do it my way, and maybe you can come bless it to the side. It doesn't work that way. I'm living proof it doesn't work that way, y'all. I'm not speaking out of frustration. I'm speaking out of excitement this morning. Listen to me, it doesn't have to be this way anymore. But we got to do it his way. What is his way? Everybody say, set your minds. Set your mind. This is what the word set your mind in the Greek means. This idea, this is literally what it says as I, as I dug through and studied it. It said, this idea is difficult to translate into English because it combines the visceral and the cognitive aspects of thinking. Translation, the emotional and the reasoning side of thinking. It's a combination of both. The word literally said the midriff or the diaphragm, the center part of who you are. It does not take away from your reasoning side. It, it accents and makes it stronger. But this is what I believe tends to happen. I think I'm going to preach real good for a second, so I hope y'all are ready to listen. We get into a message, and if you're very intelligent in this room, you're waiting on something that you can chew on and tear apart to try to reason and decide if this is good stuff or not. And so when it is, we go, yes, I can, I can deal with that. But the emotional side of you, what charges you, what, what is most centered in you, and I'm not saying that you cry every time there's a cry movie with your wife. So if you didn't cry at the notebook, I ain't mad at you. Hmm. Lord Jesus. Because this ain't got nothing to do with do you cry or do you not. Real men don't eat quiche and cry. That's great. Whatever you want to do. I can't understand her. She's crying all the time. I don't get it and I don't cry. Well, that's great. Don't cry. If you don't want to cry, who cares? This is the deal. You have emotion. How do I know? Because I've been to a football game with y'all and I've watched your team score a touchdown and you go, yeah, for 22-year-olds scoring a touchdown. You will lose your mind. You ain't worried about 80,000 people around you. You have <laughs> lost your mind. I mean, I'm talking about totally. You are not reasoning in that moment. Can you agree with that? Huh? Y'all ain't, ain't no reason. I mean, I guess you would say the reason is they scored, but you still lost your, your faculties for just a second. And I do. But if I ask you to do that in church, that's not reverent. I can't find that word in the Bible. I'm looking. I looked all week. I said, I'm going to make sure I'm right. Can't find it. I found repent, but I didn't find reverent. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Can't find it. Oh, there's a reverence. 
how we posture our heart before the Lord Jesus. But it is not standing still. It is remembering how good God is. And when I decide that I get to decide what that looks like, then I've missed the point of what my God wants for me because my God is not pleased by what I do. He's pleased by who I am and when I walk in him. And when I stay stuck and repeat cycles in my life over and over, it's because I hope he'll come in like a knight in shining armor, but that knight already came, everybody. And he died on the cross. And my frustration is not that the Savior hasn't died and risen again. And now he's seated, y'all. He don't get up. He's seated on the right hand of our God. My frustration comes when I think he should come fix it. But the fix is already there. We just don't want his fix. What's the fix? To set my mind. To let both my, my reasoning and emotional, my, my visceral and cognitive, the full aspect of who I am, to let it be set on God. Which means, I don't know what kind of people we got in this room. Exactly, I know a bunch of them. But I, I don't know what you're like in the morning. I know what I'm like in the morning. Y'all better talk to me before that coffee happens. <laughs> don't talk to me. <laughs> Especially if it's early. I don't know what it is about early. I know the early bird gets the worm and all that early stuff. And everybody loves early. And Ben Franklin wants you to get up early and you're going to be rich and all that stuff. Forget Ben Franklin. Forget that worm. I don't like it. Come on, somebody. <laughs> I know we got some people get up at 4 a.m. I'm looking at you in the back row. <laughs> Hashtag my family. <laughs> but I just feel the devil in the morning, if y'all know what I'm talking about. And I need you to know this has nothing to do with how you feel. This has everything to do with what is true, what is fact, what has happened. As a matter of fact, how I feel is oftentimes a result of what I see and what is happening all around me. It is why I believe in my life that it ain't my fault. But I'm here to tell you it is my fault. I'm here to tell you this message is pretty hard because it's my fault. It's my fault. It's my fault when I stay stuck. Because God gave me the key. God gave me the ability to walk in this thing. God gave me the ability to stand upright because he is, is the righteous one. And he said, I'll give you my righteousness. So he became sin so that I could stand upright in him. But I don't feel like it sometimes because I had a hard day. Because my kids are losing their freaking mind. Y'all better talk in here. Because I know it ain't just my kids. <laughs> because my job stinks right now. My boss is mean to me. Because school is hard and I don't know if I'm going to get through it. So what we set our minds on, listen to me, is we set our minds on getting out of this mess and not on him. Not on things above. And then we get mad that as we focus on what we don't want to be, we continue to be that and then some because we give life to that. So what does it look like? to let my emotional and reasoning side. Two, two quick things. Y'all listen to this. Two quick things. If you remember the series when I did Psalm 100, we dealt with this. If you remember at the beginning of this series on dealing with anxieties, the word marimna means to be severed from the whole. That is when your reasoning and emotional sides get severed in half. 
It's literally the two parts of the way that you think emotional and reasoning. The goal of the enemy in your life is not to make you bad. As a matter of fact, some things that I need to repent from in my life are good because it's not God. One of the things that I've learned in my life are some of the heaviest places that I need repentance in is all the good things that I've done and prided myself. God, I never drank till I was 30. Well, congratulations, but you put your faith on that and not in me. And the Bible says in James that a double-minded man, meaning those two parts of me, get severed. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Do you know how I would define Christianity in the world today, not just the upstate of South Carolina, not just in the place that we are, but, but Christianity today is unstable because we get after it in here and we cuss them out in the parking lot. Come on, somebody. I know we're not allowed to tell the truth in here, I guess, because y'all feel uncomfortable when I say cuss them. But I saw some people on the interstate this week. <laughs> and I'm not above it. Because this happened. Because we are two different types of people, depending on where we are. We're like chameleons. And that's not our calling. Our calling is to infiltrate society and change the way we think and then they think. Let's look at people the way God looks at them, but we can't do that when we're unstable in all our ways. So what do we do? This is what David said in Psalm 100. He said, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. That does not mean when things are good. That does not mean when we get a raise. That has nothing to do with what is temporal and what is happening. If you remember back to Colossians 2, he said, don't worry about the things that are going to go away that you can't take with you. It doesn't matter. It's not going to be here. And when I give thanks, God, thank you because I got a raise, then I'm only thanking him based on what happened to me, which means I will not thank him when things bad happen to me. I will curse him. And many of us have done that in this room, including myself. God, why'd you let this happen to me? No, 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 in all things because of what he is. Now, let me show you some things. This is when I'm about to get excited. It's what I learned this week. The word thanksgiving, give we enter his gates with? We enter his gates with? The word thanksgiving, there's seven Hebrew words for praise. Some of y'all remember this from several years ago on a, on a night of worship. Seven Hebrew words for praise. Two of them are yada and hallel. Look at this. He said, enter his gates with thanksgiving. It, it means yada. It means to publicly acknowledge with gratitude. It literally is like during a worship experience when you're raising your hand saying, you God, you are worthy. I'm publicly acknowledging with thanks. Here's how you give thanks. I know there's a lot of teaching today, but I need y'all to stay with me because I think if y'all can get this, you'll get it. It'll change you. I give thanks because of mercy. What is mercy? Mercy is God not punishing me the way that he should, not giving me what I deserve. So whenever bad things are happening to me, but I remember and consider what God's mercies have done for me, and the Bible says that they're new every morning. That his mercies never end. Great is his faithfulness. So, so whenever I wake up in the morning and I'm in a bad mood, quote unquote, whenever I think of the mercies of God, I can offer my body according to Romans 12 as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. I remember the mercies of God and I publicly acknowledge, God, you are good. I don't emotionally feel it when I'm saying that. I remember how good he is. 
but then Hallel. And y'all, I'm, I'm here to tell you that in the definition, boast, celebrate, and rave, this is not a golf clap because someone made a four-footer. This is that crazy thing that I did because my team scored a touchdown. We boast and rave and celebrate emotional reason, emotional grace leads me to an emotion. Grace isn't God not punishing me. Grace is pouring down his goodness every day. That his grace poured down on me every day. All the good things that come from above. I, I remember that he didn't punish me and that he sent Jesus to die. I remember that everything that I'll ever have is from God and it's good. And that emotionally charges me up even when I don't feel good. And then I enter into his presence, not because I read my Bible for two hours, not because I sing and dance, but because I remember God. And I said, God, this whole thing is yours. Not one time have I focused on doing good when I'm talking to you about this. What I'm focusing on is him, him, and him. In him was life, and the life was the light of all men. In him, in him, he is the life giver. And when I focus on trying to do good, what I immediately do is I, I bring myself back to the curse. Y'all, the curse was Eve and Adam knowing that they could eat of every tree but one in the beginning of the Bible. And that the tree of life was at the very center. Life. Everybody say life. life. But what they desired was what do I have to do to be like God, to be the God of my universe, to know more. And so they ate of good and evil. And here's the problem. And I know y'all feel what I'm talking about because almost everybody in the room has had this tension in their life. We ask this question all the time. Should I do this? Meaning, is it good or bad? Where's the line? I used to ask this question. I'm just being completely honest with y'all young people. I used to ask this question. Where's the line with sex? How far is good? And when is it evil? Wrong question. What gives life? Oh, I shouldn't listen to that music. That's not good. False. Wrong question. Does it have a redemptive message? Does it give life? That's the question. The goal is not to be good. And whenever the goal is to be good, we will find ourselves aiming for good and ending up raunchy. But the enemy is cool with you being good as long as you're not with God. Does anybody feel what I'm talking about? The goal of our lives isn't to do better. The goal is life. The goal is life. So how do we do life? How do we do life? How does this happen? This is my favorite part. At Four Points Church, some of y'all saw it when you walked in today in the Four Points stance. We do life together. That's not just an aimless thing to put on a wall. That's not just so we can hope to get y'all to hang out together and tell people, we got 27 small groups. Who cares? Listen to me. Watch my mouth. Who cares? It's a lot to watch. Come on, somebody. Who cares? Who cares? Who cares how many? Who cares what it looks like? Who cares? Who cares? So what? It doesn't change my life. As a matter of fact, I feel the same thing that I felt for 38 years. I want this thing to be different. Well, stop trying to do it different and start focusing on the one that is different. Cycles will, guaranteed, 
or double your money back. I don't even know what that means, but just go with it. It's going to happen. The sins of the father, quote unquote, the generational curses do not get broken because you try to break them. They get broken because he has already broken them on the cross. The shed blood finished the work. We've got to stop thinking about good and start remembering that life has already been given. Because this is the deal with our small groups, y'all. This is why we do them. Four Points Church is a place where when we share the worst things about ourselves, we love each other more, not less. That I can share with you that I'm struggling in this area and I'm not proud of it, but guess what? My goodness does not define me. His life defines me. We do life, everybody say life, together. So how does that happen? How do we do life together? How can I focus on life every day? How can it not be on the good? Well, I can remember what Jesus said he was. Jesus did not claim a bunch of things that we say he claimed, but he did claim to be life. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one can come to God, the Father, except through him. Redo, repeat, or repent. Because repentance simply means, listen to this, to return to the top, like the penthouse. And every day, what I have to do is not spend two hours in my Bible, y'all. And, and that's fine if that's what you want to do. That is wonderful. But many of you could say, I did that one-year Bible, but I ended up the same. You did it to be good. Stop it. You're tithing to be good. Stop giving. A pastor's telling me to stop giving. Yes, by all means, please, God, stop giving because I know this. I know if grace ever gets a hold of you, we'll have to ask you to stop. I'm serious, y'all. I'm going to just lay this down. Y'all can take it however you want to take it. You know how many times I've thought through passing an offering plate in this church? And how many people that I love have said, man, y'all need to do that or you'll never have enough. And every time I've thought about it, the Lord has reminded me of one thing. Remind them how much I love them. Don't ask them for that. You know why that's the case? Because if I bully you into giving more money, then you'll do something that is good. But I'm here to tell you that good leads to a curse. But if you'll do it out of the abundance of your heart, because the Lord Jesus changes me every single day, we're not gonna have to do a capital campaign next door, y'all. It's just gonna come. Because every good gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights. We're, we're, we're going to have to explain to people why we didn't need a capital campaign. People are going to be like, what is wrong with y'all and what kind of voodoo did you put on them? Here's the voodoo that we put on them, life. I'm not interested in what you do. And I hope you do it well. Whether you eat or drink or whatever we do, do it all for the glory of God. So I hope you do it well. But your job is not what makes me love you. You. We care about you. We care about your person and your soul. We care about where you're destined for. And that is life or death. 
not good or evil. This world is full of evil. The evil one is on the prowl, but he will aim to make you good so that people miss God. No longer will that be the case for this church. We will do life together and we will change the world, everybody. This is what I came to tell you today. The throat punch that we're given today is with religious rituals, with doing the same thing we've been doing. We're going to do it different. We're going to do life. We're going to do it his way. We're going to let our mindsets be changed by the renewing of our minds in Christ Jesus. And for some of you, that means that you need to give your life to Christ because he's not interested in what you wear or what you do. He's interested in the man. He's interested in the woman. He's interested in your person. And you've got to say, Jesus, I acknowledge that you are Lord and I'm not. I give my life to you right now. I'm yours. I just wonder, is there anybody in this room? Everybody's looking around, but y'all, we're life givers. We're going to celebrate like those crazy football people that y'all saw me do earlier. I just wonder if you'd raise your hand with all people looking around and say, I need to do that today. I've done good, but God isn't interested in my good. If I get to heaven and say, I went to church and I did good, I will miss heaven by that much. All that he cares about is if you publicly say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. You died and rose again so that I could have life. Today is the day of salvation for me. I'm ready to give my heart and life to Jesus. Come on, if that's you, I just want you to raise your hand up. I won't embarrass you. That's not the goal. I just want to know, am I talking to anybody in here that says I'm tired of this aimless living, of this foolish talk? I'm tired of going through the motions and trying to be good. Good is not the goal. I'm ready to have life in Jesus' name. I'm ready for him to put a new man in the same old clothes. He's not going to change my circumstances. He's going to change my life. I'm ready to do that right here and right now. If that's you, just let me see your hand. Acknowledge right now that you're ready to follow Jesus. I'm going to give you a couple more seconds because I believe there's people in here. Who's bold enough to go first? Who's bold enough to say it's me? Who's bold enough? All right, so listen to me. Must be I'm talking to a lot of Christians in this room. I'm not trying to offer you a redo because redos are worthless without Jesus. I'm giving you a chance with a key in your hand to say, I'm ready to do this thing his way. I'm tired of blaming everybody else, going through the motions and repeating cycles that have been generational curses. I'm ready to see God do something new. And the only way he does something new is not change all of what I look like. He changes my heart by making all things new every day by me taking all my emotions and all my thoughts, everything about me and re renewing my mind. And I'm tired of this thing that I've been doing over and over, and I'm ready to see it change. I surrender it all to Jesus. I'm saved, but I'm ready to walk with him. I don't know if I've talked to anybody in the room, so if no one stands, I'm cool. I did exactly what I was supposed to do, but I want to know if anybody in this room is going to stand with me and say, I've been that. I've been going through motions, and I'm ready to stand. I'm ready to stand. I'm ready to see this thing change right now. I'm ready to see this thing change right now. I'm ready to turn this thing over on its head right now. Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord. Will y'all just stand with me all over the room? Let's just extend our arms up to heaven. If you don't want to do this, I ain't going to look. But let's just extend our arms up to heaven right now. Like a kid reaching up to his daddy. Like a kid reaching up to her daddy. Lord, we just acknowledge that we are lost and broken people daily. 
that no matter how great of a day I have today, I'm one bad circumstance away from feeling sorry for myself and causing a rut that is so big, it's death and destruction all around me. But I argue with myself all the time, God, that I've done good things. Today, God, we aren't worried if we do good or evil. We're worried about life because you are life. You are a life giver. You are a life keeper. God, what a rut that I've been in in my life, even recently. I'm so tired of aimless talk, of trying to talk people out of it, of trying to change people by my words. It's you who is the word that changes everything. And so, God, we just extend ourselves to you. We posture ourselves under you, King Jesus, and we just worship that it is well with our souls, that no matter what storm comes, God, we say what storm. We focus our eyes and attention on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who with the joy set before you, you endured the cross and scorned its shame. You are seated today. You are amazing. You are worthy. And you are the tree of life that was lifted up. You died and rose again. And today, God, we worship you in spirit and in truth, in heart and soul. In all that we have, we worship you, God. Receive our worship today as a collective body in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.